Hello and welcome to a special Olympics edition of the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Alan Johnston. Alan is a world-leading sports psychiatrist working with athletes across a range of sports, dance and performance disciplines, and he sits on the Mental Health Expert Panel for the English Institute of Sport. Their main role is supporting the athletes representing Team GB at the Tokyo Olympics. And I can't wait to hear what Alan has to say. Brilliant. Well, welcome, Alan. Welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, I've, I've wanted you on for quite a while for this this podcast and, and just to speak to you in general from my own experience from sport and obviously your your work and it'd be great to hear a little bit more for, for the listeners today in terms of what you, you work in and what you do. Yeah, fantastic. Well, as I said, yeah, thanks for having me on. Real pleasure to be here. Uh, so I'm Alan Johnson. I'm a doctor of sports psychiatry. So I work in mental health. I've uh, been working in the NHS in a variety of uh, different roles since uh, about 1998. But over the last 10 or 12 years, I've been moving increasingly into a sport. And I now have some really, um, really enjoyable and really f- interesting roles that, that I'm really lucky to have. So I work um, as a sports psychiatrist to the English Institute of Sport. I work on something called the Mental Health Expert Panel. And we look after the mental health of all of our GB, Olympic and Paralympic athletes on the world-class programs. Uh, I work with the League Managers Association, so I'm based at St. George's Park, and we look after the mental health of football managers and also coaches through the PFCA across uh, across the game of football in the top four divisions of the men's game and the top two divisions of the women's game. Um, I have a couple of clinics myself in Leeds, where I see athletes from across sport, and I'm really fortunate to be associated with a couple of fantastic charities, uh, State of Mind Sports and uh, Sports Chaplaincy UK. So got a few different roles, but they're really, uh, really enjoyable. Just a few, Alan. Not too. Not too. <laughs> Hopefully, you have time for yourself as well and and your own well-being. But when we spoke briefly before, you'd said about the change within mental health awareness and and stigma around mental health over the last three Olympic cycles that you've been involved in. And and the word you used to me was amazing in terms of that change. And now coming from an Olympian myself, and uh, who is, is very much involved in mental health, I'm really interested in this answer. So what does amazing mean in regard to this change of mental health awareness and stigma? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question. And firstly, I think we should say it, it's role models like yourself. It's people involved in sport. It's people in the public gaze from across sport who've spoken about mental health that have probably made a massive difference uh, certainly the biggest difference within sport. So thanks goes to you uh, uh, very much. Um, I would say that, uh, yeah, stigma and mental health awareness has really changed dramatically in the last 10 years. In the 10 years before that, when I was working in mental health, there were lots of um, anti-stigma campaigns, Time to Change, Mind, the mental health charity, were doing some great work. But it only seemed, in my perspective at least, it only seemed to gain traction maybe sometime after 2010, when people started to become more aware and more open about mental health. It might have been a societal change in general. You know, maybe younger people are more open about mental health than older people. That's a generalization, I suppose, but I think it's probably true on average. Um, some of the great work that has been done by these big charities, Mind, Time to Change, etc. cetera. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely within sports, some sports more than others, you know, not all sports are equal in this regard, but on average within sports, a huge improvement in mental health awareness and reduction of stigma. And whilst that's itself a wonderful thing, people are coming forward, speaking about their mental health, 
it's going to have a dramatic difference on things like suicide rates or self-harm rates if people can be open about how they feel. Um, there is a downside to uh, reducing stigma. It's kind of a nice problem to have, but the problem is that, of course, we increase the demand. So as we reduce stigma and increase awareness, more people come forward to ask for mental health support, as they should, but we need to ensure that there's a supply of uh, qualified mental health uh, clinicians and practitioners to meet that demand. And I would say we're still on, on a pathway to providing that supply. Yeah, that's that's really interesting and, and something we all need to consider, particularly workplace health in terms of we can have that culture and it might be a great culture, but we want to be proactive, but we also have to have the support available uh, for people for, for when there might be a crisis point or when they, they want that support. Absolutely. So we're going into a Tokyo Olympics um, and I, I'm coaching. I've got an athlete there myself and, and pretty much help her with her own well-being side from my own experience. But what are the kind of pressures that these athletes are, are going to be experiencing going into these Olympics and, and ones you've, you've kind of identified as a, a mental health panel? Yeah, uh, well, obviously, an Olympic Games, uh, a Paralympic Games equally, they're quite complex uh, events already uh, that involve a number of stresses that would affect mental health in all of us. Uh, travel, time zones, time away from friends and family, uh, time away from supports, which for some of our Paralympians would be a crucial issue. I saw an American athlete withdraw this week in terms of the, the lack of support that she was able to get for her disability whilst away from home. Uh, but of course, the world since 2020 has changed completely. And this Games is going to be a much more complex um, event than ever, I would say. Um, COVID obviously looms large. And there's an awful lot of, of anxiety and stress around uh, testing and athletes uh, desperately trying to avoid a positive test. Uh, we've had a number of athletes who have contracted COVID and have had to wait for the test to turn negative because a PCR test can stay positive for up to four weeks, as I'm sure you know. So a number of our athletes have been just, uh, uh, they no longer have COVID, but their test reveals as if they do have COVID, they have a positive test. And so they've been waiting for that to turn negative or desperately hoping it doesn't turn positive. Um, of course, with mental health, it's such a broad spectrum of, of presentations. Um, I think of mental health as a positive thing. It's something that we uh, need to be promoting and enhancing as, as you do at, uh, at Champions Health. Um, so I would say for all of us, we could improve our mental health. There might be something about my sleep or diet or exercise or my work that could be improved to improve our mental health. There's, of course, a category of people who are under stress or might develop mental health problems. There's a category of people that have a mental illness, which might be of a mild, moderate or severe extent. And we're all on this spectrum somewhere. We all have a certain degree of mental health. And something like the Games would obviously, uh, uh, for many people, be very exciting and interesting as something they've been planning for for now five years. But there are an awful lot of stresses, that, as, as I said, normally built into a Games but now additional stresses around COVID, isolation, quarantine, testing um, that make this game quite different. It's such a unique situation. I'm, I've spoken to friends out there who sat next to someone on a plane uh, who's tested positive and, and now they can't leave their room and they're at the biggest opportunity of their life. And, and how do you then deal with that and, and deal with the stress of that? Um, what I'm interested about as well, you talked about football managers and, and we talk about coaches. And obviously in the workplace, we talk about leadership and management. So what's the kind of support that you give those coaches and managers uh, regarding their own well-being, their own mental health? Yeah. So through the LMA, the League Managers Association, we provide, uh, I would say, a whole range of supports for managers. 
Uh, my role is, of course, as a psychiatrist, to look after mental health. But there's a number of other staff, you know, who provide support for really important aspects of life that have a direct impact on mental health. So we will provide physical health advice and cardiac screening and legal advice and advice around employment. Uh, the average um, working lifespan of a, of a football manager in England is about 360 days. So if you start a job as a football manager, you can expect on average to not be in that job in the same day next year. Uh, so, um, you know, obviously employment stress, the stress being in work. So football managers, we did a study whereby the LMA linked a couple of football managers up to heart rate monitors during the course of, of, a, of a match. Of course, the football manager is, is just standing on the sidelines, but the variety of stress on both their physical and mental health was quite incredible. So a lot of people doing a lot of work, good work on physical health, financial health, which impacts on mental health, of course. Uh, and from my perspective, yeah, so I provide one-to-one -one support in person at the football club or via remote consultations like Zoom or, 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 or um, other methods for football managers' mental health. And some of them, as I described this mental health spectrum, some of them would have a pre-existing mental health problem, a depression or anxiety that football exacerbates. Um, but for many of them, they would be going through what are considered normal stresses of football, but have a severe impact on mental health. Uh, some of the things we've talked about, travel, long hours. Um, also, I suppose athletes and managers are doing a lot of their work in public. So they face a lot of criticism uh, with the return of football crowds shortly. Um, you know, that, that might increase that level of stress or that level of feedback. Uh, so, yeah, so I provide one-to-one -one support for, men, uh, for the mental health of football managers across that spectrum, whether it's improving mental health, I work a lot on resilience, or whether it's managing a mental health stress or problem or treating a mental illness with a whole range of what we call biological, psychological and social treatments. So for some, it's prescribing medicines and for others, providing therapies. And for some, it's the social aspects of life that would affect us all, housing, employment, education, childcare, or the usual parts of life. It's also understanding it's individual, isn't it? It's well-being is completely individual to every single one of us. And, and what might be a, a charger for one of us might be a trigger for another. Mm. Now, what I'm really interested in with, with you, Alan, I think you've got some amazing lessons to kind of share. And, and I know at Champion Health and myself, we love to learn from best practice and the people listening will as well. So what are the lessons from your kind of sporting um, experiences and, and working with those high performers in a sporting world, both athletes and support staff. What are the lessons we can apply within the workplace and, and make sure that we can relate it back that these athletes are human beings and, and so is everyone else? So what are the lessons that we can use from them? Mm, a lot of interchangeable lessons, I think, between sport and business or sport and life that your listeners will be interested in. A lot of interchangeable lessons between sports. So team sports can learn from individual sports and vice versa. I would say one of the main things to convey to your listeners would be something that's called the stepped care model of mental health. So imagine a series of steps uh, uh, climbing up. And uh, if we want to look after our mental health, we need to do so at a variety of different levels. So on step one, you might think of that as self-care. It would help all of your listeners to think about their sleep routines, their diet, and their self-esteem, the way they feel about themselves, their exercise, uh, their relationships. Step two, I would think of as sort of family care or community care. So um, uh, we all found within the last year that, um, you know, we miss society and we miss meeting up and uh, maybe we miss going to the pub. And so there's there are things about life, you know, that we really miss in our communities and our families. So having a think about family relationships, friendships, 
community relationships, uh, your roles and responsibilities at work or at home. Step three, I would think of as a sort of primary care level mental health. So it might be times whereby a person would want to see their GP and a GP would have access to a variety of different talking treatments through a service called IAPT, and IAPT, increasing access to psychological therapies or through prescribing medications. And then we have secondary care, uh, psychiatrists like myself, who would uh, would see people uh, in distress. And um, every A&E department has access to something called mental health liaison, which means if a member of the public walks into A&E, they can see a doctor or nurse with a mental health background uh, straight away. Um, and then, of course, there's emergency care. There's a lot of things we do around self-harm or suicide prevention. So the main thing I would say to convey to your listeners is that mental health is on a spectrum from good mental health through mental health problems to mental illness. And therefore, we need a variety of steps to treat mental health problems from self-care, family, community care, primary care, secondary care, and emergency care. And we all are somewhere on that spectrum. There's something we can all do to improve our mental health. Yeah, I love that, Alan. It, it kind of breaks it down, doesn't, doesn't make it feel like such a, a huge thing. It allows us to see those steps in terms of how to progress and, and help ourselves thrive and, and also build that awareness of ourselves and, and how to go about it. But thank you so much for your time. I, and I also want to say thank you from, from myself personally in, in terms of the work that you do and in sport, which obviously I love and is my background. And, and thank you for supporting those athletes and, and those support staff. It's, it's so important to, to look after them and, and help them improve as well. So thank you for your work and, and thank you for today. That's really kind. I work with some great teams, so I'm very lucky and I, uh, I enjoy it. But I'll take your thanks. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> take care. Thank you to Alan for joining me on the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. Make sure you check out the work Alan is doing, particularly with the State of Mind sport charity. And make sure you subscribe to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast for more exclusive insights from leading wellbeing professionals.